0: Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC 223, Khabib Nurmagomedov versus Max Holloway and Shaq. It's allegedly going down this Saturday, but with Khabib we never know if it's actually going to happen. But holy shit, Max Holloway, top three pound for pound guy, steps up on short
1: notice to save the card. Yeah, it's been a crazy... You know, string of events. I mean, it sucks that Tony pulled out, but to be honest, who cares at this point? I mean, we still get just as good as fight with Holloway, and this is where you know the whole dimension of. The what the fuck moments, these are when these things happen, you know, late notice opponent, should he stay in the fight, should he not, and uh, we're going to find out on Saturday, because like we said, Holloway is top three pound for pound, but Khabib might be top three pound for pound as well, so we're going to find out. Well, people know that we're pretty outspoken on half
0: the battle, we're not afraid to share our opinions, and I'm not afraid to say right now that Max Holloway would absolutely whoop Tony Ferguson's ass.
1: I I I would definitely take uh Holloway in the fight as well. I think he's that good. So I mean, what what's been going on, Shaq man? There's been 2 weeks since the last fight. How you doing? Man, doing good. Um been working on these uh these fights, man. UFC 223 going to be the next biggest event of the year. Every event's the next biggest event of the year and uh 223 we're going to get the job done. Easy money fights.
0: Now, are you doing good or are you doing better than Stormy Daniels?
1: <laughs> um, as, you know, shout out to my boy Donald Trump. By the way, you know a lot of people hate my boy Trump, but you know, as a president, yeah, he's a piece of shit. But as a as a guy, I think he's one of the most entertaining presidents we've ever had. I mean, when do you ever see presidents out here? Uh, now, you know, I know my boy Bill Clinton got caught up back in the day, you know, getting his uh, his little worm sucked uh, in the Oval Office. But uh, you know, Stormy Daniels and Trump. I mean, hey, look, guys tend to if a guy meets a porn star, are you not gonna attempt to. Try to smash that? And, you know,
0: if everyone's going to find out and make a big deal about it, what's the big deal
1: giving her a little, a little
2: hush
0: yeah, money? Yeah, you know? I
1: mean, look, he's the fucking president. Of course, we're going to give her some hush money to keep her mouth shut.
0: And, you know, what's funny about uh, my boy Bill Clinton is that, uh, you know, he's the only guy that got caught getting his dick sucked in that <laughs> office. But if
1: you think that my boy Obama wasn't oh, getting that course. dick sucked, uh, <laughs> trust me, everyone's got to, you know. Get, uh, get some head in the Oval Office, and I mean, that's probably the number one accomplishment, you know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Definitely is on uh, the gun control laws these days, I'll tell no, you that right I mean, now.
1: Exactly. That. You know, we don't want to get in all those before you really start some riots on here, but, you know, in that comment section, tell me how you feel about a Stormy Daniels and Trump. I think he's in the right. I mean, of course, we're going to pay the girl hush money to keep her mouth shut. I mean, she is a professional whore. I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, at the end of the day, aren't they all professional horses? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's do this whole card start to finish, my man. It's been too long. And First up, we got Zabit Magomed Sharipov. He's minus 820. The comeback on Kyle Bokniak is plus 560. Now, look, it's line a mismatch, and most likely Zabit's going to win, but I know you remember that time when... When Enrique Barzola fought Kyle Bakniak, Enrique clearly wins the fight, and they give the decision to Kyle Bakniak. So uh, my boy Kyle has some influence on these judges. That being said, you think he's going to be able to weasel one out here against the six 6'1 featherweights to beat Magomed Sharipov?
1: you know, Zabit's clearly, you know, the better fighter all across the board in every aspect of the game, but I got my respect for Boschniak I think he's a solid American weasel, not your typical Brazilian weasel, but he's a solid American weasel, you know, the fact that he got his hand raised against Enrique, Jesus Christ, congrats, I don't know how his fight against, uh, Davis, I thought he clearly won that fight, I don't think there was any weaseling at all, I thought he clearly won that fight, but I'm gonna go with Zabit here, I just think he, uh, I don't think Bastian can win a decision here because I just think the techniques of Zabit is going to be way too flashy here and the crowd just going to go ooh and ah and he's going to be a he- up ahead on the points. But, I mean, I can catch him off one of those spins. I do see down the line, you know, if Zabit's not careful with all those spinning uh, techniques, he can get countered and get floored. And uh, I don't think it's going to happen here maybe down the line, but I actually do think Zabit is a top 15 guy and uh, I'm interested to see where he goes on from here. A little trivia. You know that Zabit's been finished twice
0: via armbar in his career once as a pro once as an amy but look the thing here is man he's kind of an innovator he brings something different to the table and you know when i say innovator at the same time the showtime kick already was done many years ago but now we're seeing that style being brought back in and, and on top of that, Zabit can also wrestle. And, you know, it's hard to pick against a Russian inside the UFC's octagon. And, you know, last time we picked a Russian, uh, you remember what happened with Ankaliev and Paul Craig, one of the biggest flukes in the history of the sport, one second away from a 30-26. And, you know, these things happen. you you got to weather the storms. But as far as this one's concerned, yeah, don't go laying minus 850, minus 900, you know, in a spot like this, even though I do think Zabit is the rightful favorite. So just sit back and enjoy. It's either going to be a nice ass whoop, or there might be a holy shit moment, so definitely enjoy that one. But next up in the women's flyweight division, we got Ashley Evan Smith. She's minus 200, and the comeback on Beck Soccer Mom Rawlings is plus 170. Now, you know, uh, Beck picked up my kids in her minivan and took them to soccer practice last night, and now this weekend she's fighting Ashley Evan
1: Smith. They both have losing records in the UFC. Who do you think gets this one done? First off, I, I, I don't know if Beck Rowling is the uh, the the type of chick you'd see at soccer mom events driving minivans. I mean that chick is, Jesus Christ, you know. That's a when you see Beck in public, you know, you go, oh wow. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Of course I'd I'd hit that, but you know that doesn't matter. But um, as far as the fight goes, man. I question Beck's heart. You know, I think she has a lot of mental lapses. I question her heart, her toughness, and I question her skills. Um, the thing is, I think Ashley Evans is also a thinker. I mean, we've seen her at times go in there and, you know, think too much. You know, after the end of rounds, you see her talking to herself. You see her, you know, stopping certain techniques because, you know, she doesn't have the confidence in those. But the, the difference is when you're fighting Ketlin Vieira, who's undefeated, the number one contender. I don't expect you to win those fights. I expect you to get your ass whipped. Now, her last fight against Sarah Morass. let's be honest here, Sarah Morass is the queen queen of the uh, fluke armbar in that division. You know what I'm saying? If you fuck around with Sarah and you go on her guard, you might get armbarred and it happened to her. And we know that the female division is still in those developing stages and girls are still getting armbarred. So um, it's a tough fight. I'm going to go with Evan Smith in this one. I think Beck... Everything about Beck on tape just says stay away from her. I mean, I know Ashley Evans Smith is very flaky. Um, does she have a losing record in the UFC? Yeah, five, she five? does. Yeah, two she, and three. Two and three. Yeah. So she's very flaky, big thinker. But everything about Beck Rollins. I mean, let's just go over. It. I mean, you know, she uh, she isn't doing this camp with the Lions, but I've heard Eric Del Figuero in the in the corner tell her personally, get out of your own head. Is that the type of fighter you want to bet on? She's in her own head. It's a it's a Kylen Curran situation. It's a it's a she doesn't believe in herself. The second things get tough, she goes in that autopilot mode. She starts wincing. She starts looking for a way out. She's flipping off the crowd in the middle of a fist fight. You know that's what well, that's where her focus is on. So everything about her tells me stay away. I think Evan Smith ties her up. I think the the boxing exchanges could be be a little hairy. Yeah, Beck has better hands. Well, better hand techniques, but in terms of landing punches, I mean. When we look at the numbers, Ashley Evan Smith is one of the most active strikers uh, in terms of females. She averages 10 strikes a minute, so she stays very active. Even though those strikes don't have much on them, I think she's going to stay away on 10 strikes a minute. Fight metrics exactly. need to get their shit together. <laughs> I mean, just attempts, not land. Attempts, just, you know, act- activity. So uh, I think she's going to stay up ahead on points to tire her up. Um, but it's definitely, I can't trust either side. You know, if this line was a little closer, then, you know, we might consider taking a side. But I'm going to go with Evan Smith by decision.
0: Yeah, and you know, now that Kylan Curran's no longer on the UFC roster, I think Becca uh, takes the the crown for worst fighter
1: on the UFC roster. And not to mention the fact that her history, she's been getting tied up by these straw weights, you know, Tisha Torres, uh, she lost to Heather Joe Clark, via up. she lost... Don't forget uh, about that. Um, I mean, even her win, so he am, uh, you know, the fight was in Australia, you know what I'm saying, so... Um, her other win, Lisa Ellis, I mean, the chick really ain't done shit. Evan Smith, in her fifth pro fight, beat Marion Renault. Yes, she beat Marion Renault. It wasn't nothing controversial in my eyes. I thought she won the last two rounds. I thought she stole the second and clearly won the third. And, uh, you know, at least she's, uh, rose into the occasion before. Tough fight, but I go with Evan Smith.
0: Yeah, Evan Smith as well. Look, she only lost the two number one contenders, Raquel Pennington, Lin Vieira, and, uh, the queen of the fluke armbar. And, you know, she's probably going to come out here and be a little bit too much for for Rowdy Beck. So, yeah, I, I got Ashley as well. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got Alex Bruce Leroy-Caceres. He's minus 145 and the comeback on Artem Lobov. Is plus one twenty five. Now, man, it's about time to give my boy Artem Lobov, a fellow five hundred fighter. You know, someone with a shitty record just like him. He finally doesn't have to fight Cub Swanson. He finally doesn't have to fight Andre Feely. Now he can go out there and get back to uh, you know, the the winning ways he had on the Ultimate Fighter when he was knocking out all those
1: scrubs. Now he can knock out a scrub here. Who, who you got? You know, just due to both these guys' history, it's definitely a tough fight to call him surprise by the action on both sides we got from that fight, and, you know, I think Caceres got his life changed against Wang Guan down there in China, I don't know how the fuck that fight was a split decision, but, I mean, he got dropped, what, three, four times, something like that, wobbled all over the place, and, I mean, that's, uh, at his stage in his career, not to mention, that ain't the first time he's gotten his ass whooped, let's not forget the Francisco Rivera fight, uh, the Masanori Kanahara fight, the Faber fight, I mean, He's 13, what is his record, 13-11, something like that. I mean, he's lost half his fights, pretty much, and so has Artem. So I think this is something more, you know, reasonable for Artem. You know, I don't expect him to go in there and beat the Phillies and the Cubs, the top 25 guys in the world. I expect him, you know, to do better against this type of opponent. But Alex Caceres, his last wins were against Orlando D. Cole Miller lost three of out of his last four. He's another flake. I mean, this guy is flakier than, you know, these guys that use Celson Blue. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's got a... Very flaky. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, uh, um, you know, Artem, he's another, he's one of these guys where you, you really can't trust him either because we've heard Artem say, you know, I've got offers from K1 to fight. And he's thinking about boxing, uh, you know, boxing Polly's ear off and, you know what I'm saying? Things that, that jobbers you know, entertain. And he's, he's giving me all the signs that he, he wants to job it up again. Now, granted, he might not have to because Caceres, I think, is done. So I'm going to side with Artem slightly, but I can't take a side betting-wise in this fight just because you can't count on Artem because you really don't know his interests. I know he's going to fight his heart out, but it's, he's not a training camp type of fighter. I felt like he exceeded in the tough house because those were quick fights. You know, he didn't know who he was fighting until a couple days before. That's He's been taking fights on short notice his whole career. Now he's got a full training camp, has to think about an opponent for eight weeks. You know, so it's tough to call. I'm going to take uh, Artem... Uh, just because I do think Caceres is done. I mean, even his fight with Cole Miller. I mean, I just saw Cole Miller a couple, look, two weeks ago? And I don't think he's taking a fight anytime soon. You know what I'm saying? I, Cole Miller's completely done, let's be honest. here. He lost the fucking pugness. You know what I'm saying? So he really ain't done shit. Um, so I'm going to go with Art. I think I'm going to go with Artem as well. You know, I I just
0: don't think that Caceres can take a shot like he used to. Not that he was ever able to take that good of a shot. I mean, you remember what my boy Cisco Rivera did to him. When you're getting knocked out by 35ers in under 20 seconds, I mean, what else is there to say? And uh, with Low Bob, you know, he usually he he lets he lets out the gas tank, and if he's got nothing left, then he becomes a walking punching bag. So it's all about: is he going to get him out in the you know the first round and a half, or is uh, Bruce Leroy going to be able to you know land
1: some spins and maybe take him down? It's going to be interesting to see if Casera because if Casera fights smart in game plans, he could so win a decision here. He could take him down. We know Artem don't like to wrestle. You know, he wants to go toe to toe, as my boy Conor McGregor says: stand up and fight. You know.
0: Yeah, and speaking to Conor, you know. Arnum's fighting a southpaw here. He's got the best southpaw on planet Earth to train with, but that's also been the case for all his other fights. So you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see who wins this fight. I, I probably got Arnum, but you know, who, who gives a shit, right? But this one, this one, I do give a shit because Evan Dunham is minus one forty five, and the comeback on OAM Olivier Aubin Mercier is plus one twenty five. And uh, you know. I really liked OAM against Gilbert Burns because you know I felt like he was gonna expose the walking punching bag that is Gilbert Burns. But now you got a fringe top twenty-five guy in Evan Dunham. Top 15. He is top fifteen. This is this is gonna be a this is gonna be a tough fight. Who you got?
1: Tough fight. I feel like Mercier has been making solid improvements since the Carlos Diego fight, and I mean we just saw what Carly, Carlos Diego did to uh, Jared Gordon the other day. I mean he tied a grown man's hand behind his back and. Uh, beat his ass. And I think OAM striking has come a long way. I mean, we remember the days where he used to be terrified to exchange punches in the pocket. And I mean, he went from being terrified, now he's showing me all that good southpaw action with the jab and the the straight left hands. And I mean, the left kick, I mean, he's looking like a real southpaw striker out there. Now, Dunham is one of these guys where his fights are super hard to gauge because you can't measure intangibles. And when I say intangibles, I'm referring to the heart, the cardio, and, you know, the will to win. And I mean, those things definitely cannot be questioned about Evan Dunham. You know, his last fight, he got 10 in the first round against Star and came back and won the next two. And I mean, the ass whooping he took in that first round was just, that's the type of guy he is. He's willing to take that ass whooping. Now, that's not gonna be the type of fight here because OEM's not gonna empty out his gas tank in the first. OAM's gonna stay in that tri star for three for three rounds, look to point fight and win a decision. And I mean, it's gonna to be tough. I just will say this, OEM's heart will be his heart will be uh quite, uh tested in this fight. His conditioning is gonna be tested. It's gonna be a super tough fight. I think Dunham's like super well-rounded, I mean, he can box from the outside, he can wrestle, we saw him take down Darius, we've already seen his jiu-jitsu before with, back in the day with Efrain, and you know what I'm saying, he's one of the most well-rounded uh, guys in the game, not to mention this guy, let's be honest here, he kind of beat RDA back back in the day, back in Brazil, so we uh, we know what he's capable of, but I've been saying for a while, I think OAM's coming out party is coming very soon, I think he's improving at a very high rate, and I think he's about to, uh, Open up some eyes here, man. I'ma go with OAM. I think he, uh, I think Dunham is getting old. I think Dunham's not making any improvements. I think Dunham is what he is. He's been the same fighter for the last, you know, five seven years. That is what he is. And I think this is perfect timing. You know, new opponent, late notice. And I think Mercier's got nothing to lose in this fight. You know, this is his coming out party. I think he's gonna win a decision here. I actually think he's gonna uh, catch Evan a couple times because I think Evans under the impression that he's strictly a grap, uh, strictly a grappler. And uh, I think he's going to shock him on the feet a little bit and went, uh, stay ahead on some points from that southpaw stance. It's going to be a tough fight, but uh, I'm going to side with OAM. Yeah, look, Donovan's a very interesting
0: guy because you, know, you, you throw everything but the kitchen sink at him, and he's still there. And OAM is a very methodical fighter. He's got that tri-star style, but he's, he's got mental lapses in the middle of his fights. I mean, you saw that fight with Tony Martin. He's dominating the first two rounds the hell happened in that third round, and that's not the first time that's happened either against Carlos Diego. Now look, I bet Carlos Diego in that spot, plus 265, so there's no shame in losing to him, but it's been a recurring trend that in that third round, he happens to have mental lapses, and uh, you uh, you make a mistake against a guy like Evan Dunham, he's going to show you exactly why he's a 15-fight UFC veteran, and I think he's going to win the split decision here, so I'm going to go with the veteran. Evan Dunham. I wish that OEM was fighting Gilbert Burns so we could take advantage of that opportunity, but unfortunately he's not. I got Evan Dunham for the victory. Now, next up in the light heavyweight division, we got Devin Clark. He's minus 110, and Mike Rodriguez is also minus 110. Now, uh, man, Devin Clark, talk about a disappointment in a prospect. I mean, you know. Is over there getting finished by Alex Nicholson. He's getting finished by standing rear naked chokes. I mean, it doesn't get any worse than that, does it, Shaq?
1: I mean, yeah, the Nicholson loss was uh, very bad. And, you know, his last fight with Yanni he definitely let me down. He let a lot of people down. You know, we were under the impression that Jan was going to quit. And uh, Clark just wasn't good enough. Um, you know, plain and simple, Devin Clark is terrified to exchange punches inside the pocket. I mean... The reason why he got choked out against Yan was because when he threw a punch, he was so lunged over that it was literally perfect positioning for Yan to get that choke in because when he throws punches, he's looking to make sure his head is wide out the way because he really doesn't want to Exchange punches. Now, when he gets the front run and you know hug your leg and you know dominate you like how he did against Shay Collier, you know then he's doing his thing. Uh, Mike Rodriguez is super green offensively striking. I mean, he's a powerhouse, and I think you know out in space, Devin Clark better be very fucking careful out in space because out in space, one chin touch, I think Mike Rodriguez might put him down, and I actually think he will put him down. I think uh, this fight will be going Clark's way early. I think he's going to tie him up, um, but I think eventually, off one of these breaks or Out in space, Clark uh, Rodriguez will land a punch. Like I said, I think Devin Clark's just simply scared to exchange punches. Uh, Unless Mike Rodriguez just wilts the pressure and, you know, accepts uh, accepts the positions off his back, you know, then Devin Clark will get the front run. But I do have my concerns about Rodriguez. I mean, he is, you know... Super green in that area of stuffing takedowns. He still gets taken down. Uh, At least his last fight against Jamel Jones, he didn't. But I looked at Jamel Jones' record. I mean, Jamel Jones had been knocked out like three times before that. So really, the opponent really wasn't up to par. I am going to go to Rodriguez here by KO. Not that confident, but uh, I think Devin Clark's just simply too scared.
0: I got Mike Rodriguez as well. I think that Devin Clark is a guy you can absolutely not trust. I think he's proven that. Even in his wins, it's uh, been very, very ugly. He's simply not UFC caliber. And with Mike Rodriguez, I'll tell you what, on that contender series fight, you know, I'm not going to sit here and compare him to Yoel Romero, but that was a Yoel Romero-type finish, man. I mean, that flying knee, the timing of it, and prior to that, the way he was stuffing those takedowns, I think he can put the fear into a guy like Devin Clark. I think he's going to come out here and finish
1: him. And the thing is, he might have to knock him out because Rodriguez has never won a decision in his, in his entire career, so even amateur career, so it might be a finisher bust type of thing.
0: Yeah, and I mean, but what's Devin Clark? A, a Hump your leg or a yeah, bust? Yeah, type got, thing?
1: Devin Clark's got UFC experience and he's got losses before in the UFC. So he's to a, Alex Nicholson, <laughs> so you know what I'm saying. He is the definitely the more experienced fighter, but in terms of the long term battle, I definitely see Rodriguez having the uh, higher ceiling. But not that that matters or anything.
0: But speaking of things that matter, we got Joe Lozon. He's minus 185, and the comeback on Chris Gritzmacher is plus 160. Now, a couple of years ago. You know it would have been about minus 250, Joe or maybe even minus 300. But let me ask you something. You know how many head strikes
1: Joe Lozon has absorbed in his UFC career, Shaq? You know, a lot. I just know he gets hit five times a minute over the stretch of a ten over 10-year ten UFC career. He's
0: absorbed over a 1,000 head strikes in his UFC career, Shaq.
1: Exactly. And, and those add up. You know, I mean, when I look at all the... Uh, the severe beatings he's taking, I mean, let's talk about the Pettis knockout, the Michael Johnson fight where he got brutally butchered for three rounds, the Evan Dunham 30-26, you know, boxing clinic, the uh, Stevie Ray fight where, you know, he shelled up and got his head, you know, smashed in, and the Guida fight, the two Jim Miller fights, the Martine Held fight, I mean... The list goes Kenny Florian and fight. Kenny Florian fight. So, look, I think uh Lozon, The Jorge Masvidal fight. Yeah, I think Lozon is uh, damn near on the tip of the iceberg when it comes to damage taken. And, I mean... The Rafael Osunsa fight. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm seeing a steady decline in him. I mean, he is 8-8 eight and eight in his last 16 fights. And, I mean... Uh, you know, Gritzmacher, I think he showed uh, a lot of people what's up in his last fight against Davi Ramos. I mean, we had a seven, oh, we had a max bet on Davi, uh, Davi Ramos in that fight. And I mean, Gritzmacher gave us a little sweat. I mean, we were pulling guard two minutes into that fight, and uh, we were definitely a little worried. I definitely gained a lot of respect for my boy, Gritz. And um, to be honest, here I think gritzmacher has got better hands than Lozon. I think he's got better kicks, and I know he's definitely got better uh, cardio. And I think uh, Lozon might be under the impression that you know, if this fight hits the mat one time, that he's gonna you know choke Gritzmacher out. But the way things are trending these days. I don't see that happening. Now, I know he's been choked out his last two fights, but when I think about who it's against, it's against a 17-3 and three guy, Chad Skelly, who's 6-3 and three in the UFC. With and, the most submissions in featherweight history. And uh, Davi Ramos, who's fighting Nick Hine. And uh, I think Davi Ramos would absolutely launch Joe Lozon into the fifth row. So, you know, Gertzmacher, in my opinion, has uh, actually been f- facing the tougher competition his last two fights. Um, when you have, when have you ever seen Clay Guida steamroll anyone with hands never okay and um you know when we talk about joe Lazan's history when's the last time he uh finished something in the second round the long-term battle joe Lazan does not win he's a first round finisher and he's always been um gritzmacher i think uh non-stop he works non-stop always moving calf kicks getting ugly grimy yeah he eats a lot of shots he eats a fuck ton of shots but he keeps coming every single time and he does not stop i think he's gonna make Lozon work i think the first round be a little hairy, but I think uh Gritzmacher's second and third round is going to completely break him. I think he's just too tough, and I think Lozon's going to shell up. I think his calves are going to be busted up from the calf kicks, and I, I, I see Gritzmacher attacking all levels, his body, his head, and don't be shocked when Gritzmacher goes in his guard as well and uh wins there too when Lozan is completely gassed. I think Lozon's a, a two to three minute fighter. I think he's going to come spam his punches like he always done, his elbow in the clinch, and uh, I think he Gritzmacher's going to literally eat everything and laugh at him, so I'm going to go with Gritzmacher here. I'm actually going to say finish. I think Lozon's been taking too much damage in his fights. Like I said, five times, getting hit five times a minute over I mean, over 20 UFC fights. Not very good. Granted, uh, I do think Kurtz, Gritzmacher uh, is the better fighter in this spot. I know it doesn't make a lot of sense, but look, Lozon hasn't been improving in a long time. His chin is steadily declining, and, uh, And when you really look at the Clay Guida fight and you really go back and watch all his fights, you could definitely see that playing out. He's been wobbling that way for a very long time. So the Guida fight made total sense to me now in hindsight. But I'm going to go with Gritsmucker here by finish third round.
0: When you go back and you watch the third round of the Stevie Ray fight and you see the kind of punching bag that Joe Lowe's on is, it makes complete sense why he got knocked out by Clay Guida the way he did. It was simply... You know, an accumulation of all those wars, all the thousand-plus strikes he's taken to the head over his long UFC career, and now it's finally over. Now he's at that point where you start losing to the guys that you would normally crush because, trust me, a couple years back, he would have crushed Chris Gritzmacher, but this is uh, Gritzmacher's chance to finally come out here and get a big win. You know, he moved his camp to ATT for this one. You know, he's one of the original guys from the lab. He was in the corner for Benson Henderson in the Frankie Edgar fight. And, you know, he's one of these guys like Brian Barberena, You know, he's got the dad bod going. But you start to slow down on a guy like Chris Gritzmacher. So <laughs> and uh, he'll tee off on you. And guess what? Joe Lozon slows down every single fight after the first round. Joe Lozon, it's not just like recently he's had a cardio issue. He's had a cardio issue his entire career. That's what he's always been criticized for. So it better be a first-round finish for Joe Lozon or else it's going to be a complete bust. And I, I'm going with the upset here, man. I think Chris Gritzmacher... To weather that storm. Look, we had a max bet against Gritzmacher in that Dobby Ramos fight, and uh, he made us he made us work for that one. And I think uh, making someone work for something, you make Lozon on work for something. That's a recipe to beat him. I got Chris Gritzmacher here for the upset. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got Ray Borg. He's minus two ninety, and the comeback on Brandon Moreno's plus two forty five. Now, both these guys are super impressive. Now, it just might be a point, a case where. Ray Borg might simply be on a different level than Brandon Moreno. I mean, you saw that fight against Juicy A. Formiga. One doesn't simply win the decision against Formiga, let alone in Brazil. Not only that, one Unanim- doesn't...
1: Unanimously, in One
0: doesn't simply take the back of Juicy A. Formiga. So just because Ray Borg got suplexed into an armbar, don't hold it against him. Many guys <laughs> would get embarrassed against Demetrius Johnson. But I got to tell you what, this kid Moreno, he's been coming through for me too. When he fought Luis Smolka... It's funny because at the time Luis Smolka was on a super hot streak, so I'm like, well Luis Smolka's a minus four hundred favorite, so you know what? He's gonna finish him in the first round. Let's take the under one and a half. And the under one and a half cashed, but it wasn't how I expected. It was actually Brandon Moreno finishing Luis Smolka. And then I also bet Brandon Moreno as an underdog that Dustin Ortiz. He was losing the entire fight until he won. So what that tells me is that Brandon Moreno is an opportunist. So you know, this fight goes to decision. He's most likely losing, but one explosive move, he could get it done. That being said, do you think Ray Borg is simply
1: too much for him right now? You know, I'm uh you know, we faded uh Brandon Moreno's last fight. Yeah, his last fight against Sergio, and I thought he fought admirably. Um, you know, very tough kid. Uh, I think he had a solid start at one twenty five, you know, wins over Smoke and Dustin Ortiz, that's you know, that, those are big deals. Those are serious statements. I mean, he's a top ten guy for a reason. And uh but to be honest here, I just think there's levels to this game. I just think Borg's better better in every aspect of the game. Um, I think Borg came full circle, you know, against Formiga in Brazil. I mean, that was one of the better performances I've seen in that environment. And I mean, look what Ju- Juicy has been doing his last two fights, you know what I'm saying? Straight up manhandling Ben 10 and uh the jab what's his name? Uh Oop, Sasaki. And, uh, I think he's, I think Moreno's a tough kid with a bright future, but I just think on the feet, he tends to, you know, plan his feet and just throw wild looping punches, you know, um, just trying to spam a bunch of punches and, uh, you know, I definitely think, you know, he'll land some punches against Borg, but where I see Borg dominating, I think where we'll see the difference is just in the scrambles. I think, uh, the second they start scrambling, I think we're going to see the difference between, you know, an elite scrambler at 125 and, uh you know, Brandon Moreno, who, you know, I think he's a good fighter, but I just think Borg's better in every aspect of the game. Now, I'm not saying Moreno can win. I think, you know, he can win by a a guillotine or something like that if, you know, Borg shot in and, you know, he just tapped, but I think Borg pulls this out. I think he just got too many advantages in this fight. I think uh, his move to Jackson's long term will definitely benefit him, and uh, I think Moreno will have a bright future after this.
0: Yeah, you make a good point about his move to Jackson's because ever since he did that, you know, he, he was originally at the rival gym in Albuquerque, New Mexico with Tom Vaughn as the head coach, Tim Means as a training partner. And since that what point, improving? he goes over to Greg Jackson's. He's got Brandon Gibson as a striking coach. You saw that striking in that Formiga fight. Completely different guy. So now that he's not afraid to let his hands go and he knows what it's like to be in there with the number one pound-for-pound pound guy, you know, quote-unquote, Demetrius Johnson,
1: It's going to pay dividends when he's in there with Brandon Moreno. And, you know, you know, somebody will counter me with, well, what happened in the Scoggins fight when he got fucking completely dominated? For one, he was still at with Tom Vaughn and those guys where, I mean, we can see Tim Means ain't been improving. But, hey, Tom Vaughn got a UFC championship. So Shout-out to Tom Vaughn. He got Nico Montano. But, like we said before on the show many times, just the Scoggins might be the best flyaway in the world if you don't touch his neck. You know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if Justin Scoggins, if the if the mental could catch up yeah. to the physical, the kid, uh, <laughs> the could kid be, would blow a
1: lot. Of the money. kid
0: could be a future world champion. And, was, and
1: when he fought Ray Borg, that just happened to be you know his fucking performance. I mean, we bet on Scoggins in that fight plus, plus two fifty. You know what I'm saying?
0: Shout out to my boy Vic for calling that one. He he bet that too. But listen, man. Ray Borg, he's simply on a different level than Brandon Moreno. It's all about not getting caught. The long-term battle will be won by Ray Borg here. And also, don't be surprised if Ray Borg finishes Brandon Moreno. But Moreno's got a bright future as well. He's just a kid. He's only, what, 24 years old or something like that. Came out of nowhere. And now he's in the top 10. So. Number,
1: number 16 seed on tough top 10 in the world.
0: Yeah. And uh, he had a very good fight with Pantoja as well. Yeah. Yeah, Pantoja whooped his ass. <laughs> but it was it was a solid effort. It was just when he came out there and he stopped Smolka the way he did at the time when he did, Smolka never recovered to this day. He got kicked out the UFC. So, you know, Moreno's no slouch. Let's put it this way. Moreno
1: ruined Smolka's life.
0: Yeah, and, and Smolka should have never made that video about Sergio Pettis yeah. either. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, it, it was fun while it
1: lasted. And shout out to my boy Mateus Nicolau on that easy money. Shout out to my boy Mateus, by the way. Big, big friend of this show.
0: Yeah, I hope they get him a fight soon. Now, next up in the women's strawweight division, we got Karolina Kowalkiewicz. She's minus 190 and the comeback on Felice Herrig. How
1: would you pronounce that name
0: again? Kowalkiewicz? <laughs> I mean, what the fuck's her name? Koval Kowalkiewicz? Koval- <laughs> Koval- <laughs> you know it's Kowalkiewicz, right? And the comeback on Felice Herrig is plus 165. So, I mean, listen, man. It seems like Felice Herrig's gotten her shit together. You know, ever since, once you saw that came in, she took that two-year uh, layoff, got her levels right, found that new doctor, and now... She's been uh, firing
1: on all cylinders. You know, the big speculation has been when is uh, Felice going to resort to her old quitting ways, like how she quit against Randa and Paige And Zandt. To be honest here, I think this is a, an example. Look, things change. Remember when we used to call Rosenheim and a units You Remember literally a few months ago we were calling Jan blakovich Jan Blakovic was on the verge of getting cut from the UFC. Now he's top five. And now he's top five in the world. Things can change. It's the fight game. Things change. People take t- – remember my boy Brad Tavares got fucking stiffened by Rob Whitaker. And Takes Bush. two years off. Ambush. Takes two years off, comes back, and now look at him. You know what I'm Jose saying? Jose Aldo is the
0: number one pound-for-pound fighter. Now he's been knocked out three of his last four. Henan Burrell. Frankie Edgar had never been finished until three weeks ago.
1: Like, <laughs> things change in the fight game. So I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think the old Felice quitter, Herrick, is gone. I think that chick is long gone. I think she's just in her life. She said that, you know, she had to take some time off, get some things in her life situated. And, I mean, when I look at her health situation, the things that she was describing, she said she was starving herself to make weight. And, you know, how guys, you know how our chicks – uh you know our, our lady friends feel about their weight sometimes, guys. You know how you're in the you're getting ready for work and your wife asks you, uh, "Do I look fat in this?" And you know you you want to say yes, but fuck <laughs> <it>. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You want to say yes, and but uh, you know if you don't answer the co- the uh, the question correctly, you know what I'm saying? You might be in big trouble. So we know that Felice, you know, maybe in the past she was a little head case here and there, but I think that chick's gone now. Sometimes when fighters face adversities in their career, they take some time off and they come back as different. Uh, Different people. Remember when Tony Ferguson lost to Michael Johnson took two years off and won what 10, 11 fights in a row? So we've seen it uh, plenty of times before. As far as the fight goes, um, I think Felice has a clear advantage on the mat here and in the tie-ups. Um, we saw Carolina's fight against Claudia Gadelha. You know, you you would think Carolina would be composed. Well, not composed enough, but just I think she's be aware. Yeah, you know, be aware that hey, the first round. Look, let me uh, just stay clear for a second. You know what I'm saying? Just like how Andrade did, and uh, how you're about to see Carla Esparza do in a little in a, in a few months. But uh, <laughs> but uh, you know what I'm saying? You know, I think she uh, even in her random Marcos fight, I look back and she just blatantly gave her gave up her back just to get out of it. Granted, she got out of it there, but when she fought Claudia, now Felice Herrig is an expert, in my opinion, when it comes to back-taking, and she can do it for three rounds. We saw that Justin Keish fight. Now, one would counter. Oh, Justin Keish sucks. She, she's a jobber. She's lost two fights. She shot But up. going into the fight, we weren't saying that, because going into the fight, Felice was an underdog. Going into the Grasso fight, Felice was an underdog. Going into the Kylan Curran fight, Felice was an underdog. You know what I'm saying? So now her last fight against Courtney Casey, we finally realized. But now they're going back to the uh, saying that they're, the linesmakers makers think uh, Felicia is going to resort. Now, I think uh, people are under the assumption that on the feed that it's a mismatch. And I disagree because when I watch Carolina, I think her defense is in question. I mean, go back and watch that Jodie Escobar fight. Jody Escobel, you know, uh, decent fighter. But for my liking, I thought she got caught with too many right hands. And it was the same thing over and over. She would throw a jab, square her stance, and get caught with an overhand right every single time. And she's been doing it her entire career. She did it in the Rose Nam fight, but she got away with it. I think she's getting a little older. Now I know Felice is, they're about the same age, like what, 33, 34, something like that. Um, But I actually think Felice is on the up and I think Carolina might be a little bit on the decline. And I don't think on the feet, I think Felice will be able to land that right hand, even though she is stiff in the pocket. She is a little chinny. We've seen her uh, get wobbled a couple times, but she won. And you know, her last fight against Casey, people think Casey won. I thought that was a clear two rounds to one for Felice. You know, I didn't see any problem with the decision. So I am actually going to take uh, Felicia. I think that she has a clear path to victory in this fight at that line. Take her down and take her back. And I know she can do it for three rounds. She manhandled Alexa Grasso uh, in that environment. She uh, smothered Courtney Casey for two rounds. I mean, her tie-up game in her wrestling is really on point. And I think mentally she's just oozing off positivity. Not saying that Carolina isn't. But I think this is a dogger pass situation, 100%. I agree about
0: it being a dogger pass situation. However, I do think that there definitely is a a skill difference standing for Carolina. That being said, man, is it the same Carolina that beat Rose Namajunas in Atlanta when we cashed that plus 215 in front of Rose's family and got all those dirty looks and we were like, yes, Carolina. She's very good game plan with the knees and the clinch. But since that point, look, she got her title shot against Joanna Janjacek. She dropped her in the fourth round. So you say to yourself, all right, so look, she lost uh, the best uh, strawweight of all time. Let's see what she does from here. She gets that fight with Claudia Gadelia, And, look, it's one thing to lose a fight. It's another thing to get finished in that first round.
1: Chicks at that weight class aren't supposed to get finished that quick.
0: It's one one thing to go to a decision. It's another thing to get finished in that first round. And you know, Claudia Gadelia, by the way, she ain't finishing shit. <laughs> she couldn't even finish uh, Tina locked Maki or whatever. <laughs> exactly. Just just so you know. And you know, after that, so you know, okay, okay, Claudia's a top three uh, fighter. Let's. see we saw
1: what happened in Claudia's next fight.
0: we we'll, uh, we'll excuse her for that. Then she goes in there with Jody Escabel, you know, the jobber of jobbers, and Jody's getting off on some right hands. Let's put it this way. Even though the scorecards were 30-27, Jody put her hands up in the air <laughs> after that fight as if she won. Just put so, it this way. Jody landed several punches. So, you know, I, I really don't know what to make of Carolina at this point, but I do know that Felice is in the best form of her career. I think this fight hits the mat, and Felice is going to have a big advantage. What I don't know is what's going to happen on the feet. So betting-wise, dog or pass, I'm going to go with Carolina by split decision. Pay-per-view time. Lightweight division. Ally Kenta, he's minus 125. The comeback on Paul Felder is plus 105. Pick them, fight for a reason. Who you got?
1: You know, both of these guys, you know, offensively, definitely do their thing. Definitely, like any other lightweight, definitely know how to knock blocks off and knock people out. Um, the thing is, when I look at both their resumes over the course of uh, their last wins, I mean, neither guy really ain't done shit. I mean, when I look at Felder's last three wins, Alessandro Ricci, bum, Uber driver. You know what I'm saying? Cab driver. Stevie Ray. Let's be honest here. High job. We picked uh, Cajun Johnson for a reason. I don't think Stevie Ray. Look, like, I think he's a nice guy, but personally, I have my doubts if he, if he's gonna stay in the UFC. Uh, and Charles. Well, Z- uh, remember when Stevie Ray tried to. Uh, hardball with the UFC after that fight with Lozon. I bet they're regretting that now. Look, <laughs> skill-wise, I'm just not sure if Stevie's going to hang around. He's like, I
0: beat Joe Lozon and Ross Pearson, therefore you should pay me more. Now, let, let me talk about that for a second because when you when you talk about fighting Joe Lozon and Ross Pearson, Ally like Kinta knocked those guys out. Stevie Ray, one judge scored it for those guys.
1: You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, you know what I'm saying, and Charles Oliveira, we already know him, survived the uh, jiu-jitsu storm, and he's going to quit, quit, you know what I'm saying, and uh, Ayakenta's last three wins, like you already said, Lazan, Diego Sanchez, and not to mention that Masvidal fight where, you know, hey, congratulations to him, he got his hand raised, I don't know how, but congratulations, <laughs> George gets robbed more times in a 7-11, you know what I'm saying? And, uh you know, I feel like ayakenta he's more like prone to straight punches, and obviously all his losses are by getting uh tapped out um and I actually think Felder has the advantage on the mat, as crazy as that sounds, because we've seen Felder get some subs in the UFC. We've seen him sub Crickshank. We saw him, you know, go with uh, Charles on the mat a little even bit. Even Yeah, even Sago. So I actually think Felder is the one that's better on the mat. And I feel like if anyone takes it to the mat in any type of grappling situation, it's actually going to be Felder here. I think people are under the assumption that Ayakens is going to be the guy to wrestle. Ayakens really doesn't wrestle in his fights. I mean, he's just pretty much a straight boxer. Um... As far as the the striking goes, you know, I feel like Felder is one of these guys where everyone is under the impression that he's like one of these top five strikers in the division because, and you know, his technique is fucking beautiful. Like, his, his punching form, his kicking form, everything. But I feel like he falls in a habit where he's trying to be too perfect in there, man. I feel like he's trying to slip punches the perfect way, land, check knees the perfect way, the low kicks, all that stuff the perfect way. And he's falling behind on points like he did against Ross Pearson, like how he did against Ronaldo.
0: Wait a second. He lost to Ross Pearson?
1: He lost? <laughs> <laughs> he, he fucked over a lot of people that night. Everyone had their DJ and Felder parlays that night back in my jobber parlay days. And... uh. When they're streaming at the TV, Paul, throw! Paul, throw! <laughs> and I, I don't give a fuck if he was icing his shins.
0: Nah, I, don't I don't give a, a fuck throw. if he went to fight a night with Barboza <laughs> two weeks earlier. If you're in the
1: UFC and you haven't figured out how to beat Ross Pearson yet... <laughs> Will Brooks beat fucking Ross Pearson, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I think he has these, these little spurts where he's like... He's like trying to prove a point where that he's a tougher guy by eating shots on purpose. And making faces. And, and he's falling behind on points the entire time. Let's not forget about that Josh Berkman fight. You would think on paper, I mean, I think I remember, I bet on Felder inside the distance at like plus 290, like I said back in my jobber days. And... Uh, this motherfucker arguably lost to Josh Berkman because he's trying to do things, everything perfect, and he's falling behind on the points. So I think if this fight goes to three rounds, I think Ayakinta has the advantage all day. Like I mentioned before, he got his hand raised in that Masvidal fight. That's a good quality, you know what I'm saying? If you can get your hand raised in those type of fights, congratulations. Um, and I mean, like I said, I feel like... Uh, he likes to purposely eat a lot of shots. Now, Aikente, don't get me wrong, Aikente likes to block punches with his face as well. Like I said, I think he's prone to straight punches with, you know, he's got his hands out wide. But I like his hand fighting, and I like his, uh, he, see, he strikes me as the type of guy he's a big game hunter. You know what I'm saying? It's a tough fight to call. I'm going to go with Al by decision. Like I said, I think uh, Felder is prone on the scorecards like we've seen before. And I think uh, he better knock uh, Aikente out. Um... But the thing is, like I said, I don't think Stevie Ray's on that level. I don't think Alessandro Rishi's on that level. I think Charles is a fucking Brazilian weasel. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to go with Al Iacinta here by controversial decision that, you know, Paul Felder would probably, uh, you know, get on Twitter and complain about and, you know, things of that nature. But I'm going to go with Al by split.
0: Yeah, look, I could see it. If it goes the three-round dis- distance, then Al's probably most likely going to win because he does have that volume boxing style. But that being said, man— I'm not sure if Al's heart is really into this shit anymore. I mean, the only person he's fought in the last two years is Diego Sanchez. And, I mean, you haven't figured out how to beat a guy like Diego Sanchez in 2017, 2018. He probably shouldn't be on the roster anymore. So, you know, I don't really put much stock into that. Prior to that, he beat Jorge Masvidal prior to Reebok, prior to USADA. And, you know, we all know he didn't really beat Jorge Masvidal. Jorge Masvidal beat the absolute shit out of him dropped him i'm surprised he wasn't able to finish him but in this spot i actually think that paul felder has a chance to come out here and not just beat ayakinta but finish ayakinta i think that paul felder is the hungrier guy you know i don't think he's the one looking into real estate right now i'm gonna go with paul felder uh, via knockout here now also in the lightweight division Michael Chiesa, he's minus 145, and the comeback on Anthony Showtime Pettis is plus 125. Now Shaq, uh, I hear, I hear Showtime's back, you know, and I've heard that his last
1: seven fights, he's two and five. I keep hearing he's back. You know, they say the same thing every fight. You know, Showtime's Showtime this, Showtime that. He's he's back. You know, all this stuff, just like they said before the Eddie fight, just like they said before the Edson, the Dust, and the the. Uh, The Charles fight, I mean, even in the Charles fight he won, he looked like garbage to me. You know, when Charles was getting off in the feet and they're still getting taken down in the second and third round against this little Brazilian weasel, just like how we mentioned, uh, you know, a few... uh, and let's just be honest here, if Charles wasn't such a little Brazilian weasel, that fight might have uh, <laughs> been a little sketchy. Now, Chiesa strikes me as an opportunist, uh, Opportunist, man. He wanted this fight for a reason, you know? I mean, just look at Pettis' last fight. He tapped to a body triangle. And shout out to my boy Dustin as well, fan of a uh, friend of the show. And, uh like I said, nothing has changed. His game isn't evolving. I think, you know, maybe five years ago, he would have put the fear in a man's heart with his striking, but now the game has evolved. His style of striking really doesn't put fear in people like how it did years ago. That body kick ain't the same anymore. He's still doing the same things. He's still got his back on the fence. He's still, you know, he's got, of course, he's got a good guard, and that's where I would think, uh, the biggest danger presents, but when I think about Kiesa and the guys that Pettis has been fighting, Eddie, his base is what? Hands. Edson, his base is striking, kicks. Dustin's base is throwing hands. Uh, Max Holloway, striking. These guys have been breaking him down on the feet. He hasn't really gone up against a a guy where his, his base was strictly grimy, grinding, wrestling, top pressure, where that was his forte, and that's what we got with Kiesa here. Now, even on the feet, people think, well, Pettis is going to fuck him up in space. I don't think so, because look, when you got a a 6'1", a lightweight, especially with that frame, like we know with our boy James Vick, everything's difficult in there. When you try to take him down, it's difficult. Even striking with him is difficult, because as uh, my boy Conor McGregor said, I felt like I was hitting a lot of glove. You know the shots roll off the glove a lot when you're fighting six one, six two, six three guys, and I feel like that's going to be the case. I feel like everything's going to be awkward for Pettis in there, and I don't, I don't think uh, as my boy Dustin Poirier said before the last fight. I think Pettis is a front runner. I think when he's out in space, like against Jim Miller, and he's, you know, doing his little striker thing, you know, he's flowing. Of course, he's having fun, and we know Jim Miller's completely done. And even in that fight, in my opinion, he still found a way to go to his back. I just don't think anything's changing. I don't see any improvements, and it's not. And, you know, the skill thing is one thing, but it's also a mental thing. I've heard him say. Personally, out of his own mouth, that it's been a wanting it issue. A wanting it issue at this stage in your career, it shows me the signs of a broken man. I got Kiesa. I wouldn't be shocked in a finish because we know when Kiesa gets on top, generally it's game over now. Kiesa's last fight against Kevin Lee, you know, Kevin Lee in that area, when they both got the same type of strength, and we know Kevin Lee in that division is probably. Might have the strongest tie up in that division. You know, Kevin Lee would smoke Pettis, right? <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm saying? Kevin Lee, I mean, is a fucking strong as a ox. He's probably the strongest guy in the division. He full mounted Tony <laughs> Ferguson. <laughs> yeah, he's probably the besides Khabib. I mean, he's probably the strongest guy in the division. So, you know what I'm saying? There's no shame in that. But Pettis is a guy that he's gonna accept that bottom position, going for the triangles and arm bars. We're gonna get that top position, and like I said, I think things are gonna be super awkward on the feet, and it's only a matter of time before we push him in that fence and get real ugly and grimy with him. Typical Kiesa style, and I got Kiesa by finish, but I wouldn't be shocked if it went their house. You know that
0: Kiesa uh, has beat more top 15 guys than Pettis, right? Of course. Kiesa has wins over Trinaldo. He he choked out Ally Akinta. He choked out Benil Dariush. He even beat James Vick on the Ultimate Fighter. What uh? What top fifteen guys has Showtime beat? He beat Cowboy Cerrone in two thousand twelve, and Benson Henderson back when people actually gave a shit about Benson Henderson. But you know Benson's fighting fucking Roger Huerta in a couple days. The- you know what I'm
1: saying? That's the game has moved on, guys. <laughs>
0: no, no, no one gives a shit <laughs> Look, anymore. Look,
1: I'm a fan of Showtime. Look. I was a big fan when he uh, jumped off the cage in the WEC. I remember when he uh, had that fight with Bartimus back in the day, when he choked out uh, Alex Caralexis, when he uh, tapped out Shane Roller. Like, those are huge wins, and you know, he had a lot of surgeries in between those fights. The guy's been taking a lot of miles on his body for a long time, and I think it's finally caught up to him, and we've just been seeing steady decline.
0: You know, he had an entire career before his UFC career, right? He was already a champion <laughs> in the WEC, he was a champion in the UFC, and, and now it's over. It's not like he's going from being ranked 15 <laughs> to 10 to 5 to 1 it's more like going 1 <laughs> to 5 to 10 to switching 15 switching weight
1: classes missing and weight coming back when
0: you when you there's there's a couple of things that he's, he's done he's
1: looking for answers
0: you know for example when he was on that 3-5 losing streak to Eddie Edson and, and Rafael, you know, he was saying, well, look, I'm just losing to the top guys, but but I'm losing by decision. It's not like I'm getting finished. Well, fast forward a couple years since that point, not only is he getting finished, he's getting melted in fights, which is things that he would have never done. He would have never taken a seat before like he did against Max Grant. And Max is a top three pound for pound guy in my mind. But that happened. But still, he still took a seat. And then also in the Dustin Poirier fight, you're tapping to not a submission, but to a position. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So now it, it, it's just one of those things, and you're missing weight for title fights. I just don't think that Showtime wants it anymore, and rightfully so, man. I mean, look, he owns his own barbershop. He owns his own sports bar. He owns his own gym. He's a former champion. He's got, you know, the supermodel fiancé. Like, so I get it. Come in here, take this 100K, pay off your wedding, and move on to better things. And I think with Kiesa. You know he's a super deceptive guy. As people are under the impression that on the feet that it's going to be a complete mismatch, and I disagree. You guys remember that time when Michael Chiesa dropped Jorge Masvidal standing? You know what I'm saying? Uh, nice. You remember that time? Uh, you know he actually dropped Kevin Lee standing too, right? People don't remember that, but watch that in slow motion. He hit him with I a left down hand. Down. It was a left hand to the chin, and Kevin Lee went down. Don't don't uh, don't at me. Go watch that real quick in slow mo on UFC Fight Pass. And so I don't really think that is going to be in that much danger uh, on the feet here. But what I do think is that he's going to be relentless with his takedown attempts. The body lock's going to be on point. And then when he gets on top of, of Pettis, Chiesa is very very heavy on top he has super deceptive ground and pound just ask Jim Miller uh, what that ground and pound feels like because as soon as Jim Miller felt it he gave up that back instantly and got choked out and don't be surprised when Pettis uh, taps out for the second fight in a row so whether it's a finish whether it's a decision I got Michael Kiesa for the victory here now next up and let's just go ahead and say it the fight to watch Calvin Cater, he's minus 120. The comeback on Henato Moicano-Carnero is plus 100. And I'm just going to go ahead and say this, man. These are the two best guys in the featherweight division right behind Max Holloway and Brian Ortega.
1: Yeah, you heard it.
0: If you put Calvin Cater and Henato Moicano in the cage with Frankie Edgar, they they would smoke Frankie Edgar. (laughs) If you put Calvin Cater and Hanato Moicano in the cage with Cub Swanson, they would smoke Cub Swanson. They would smoke Ricardo Lamas. They would smoke Josh Emmett. And, yes, I did just say Calvin Cater and Hanato Moicano would absolutely blow Frankie Edgar out the water, and I 100% mean that. They are the two best guys in the featherweight division right behind Max Holloway and Brian Ortega.
1: I agree 100%. We were talking about that the other day. Look, a lot of people... Well, all the action came on Moicano, so I guess people haven't forgotten, but the guy's only loss is to Brian Ortega. Let's not forget that he did take out Jeremy Stevens when he was unranked when Jeremy was number five in the world in America by a split decision. Great performance, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, I know Calvin has all the hype right now, but, you know, I definitely still consider Hanado Micano a serious start at 145. Like, we did say, yes, he would beat Frankie, Cub, uh, Llamas. Llamas, all those guys. Um, Already beat Stevens. Yeah, so... In my opinion, these are the number three and number four guys in the world. Now, in the order, it's very tough to call because, like we said, Calvin has all the momentum. Now, basically, Shelby's setting Moicano up now. He thinks he's got a star with Qatar, and grandfully so. I mean, what he uh, did in his debut against Philly, my boy Dan here was telling me long before, like, hey, <laughs> this dude Calvin Qatar is serious. And, you know, of course... You know me, I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> Turns out, 30 seconds into that fight, I mean, Philly was already broken. And I mean, of course, we're, uh, someone's gonna say oh, Philly ain't shit, but I mean, yeah, going the into the, in the going into the, going into that fight, you weren't saying that, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, so then, you know, after that, I mean, he takes out undefeated Shane Burgos, who had never lost a fight in anything in his life, kickboxing anything. He never lost the fight. I mean, he beat the fuck he, out of <laughs> Shane Burgos. The, and he beat the fuck out of Shane Burgos. And you know, the second round, you know, people, what, what happened in the second round when he was showing up, not answering back? That's what vets do. You know, he had already popped his head back a hundred times. Doesn't Yoel Romero <laughs> take rounds off that's sometimes? What, that's, that's what, what champs do. That's what my boy Cody Stamen does. You know what I'm saying? We take rounds off and we still win. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, Qatar strikes me as one of those guys. I mean, from the second I saw him, he just struck me as that i mean when you got that record 17 and 2 and then 18 and and 2 and you see how the wins come by for the most part decision now a lot of people would think oh those wins by decision aren't impressive but the decision wins really uh they catch my eye. You know what's funny? <laughs> all, all these
0: jobbers are like, Oh, his name's the Boston finisher and he doesn't finish fights." so mm-hmm. let's hold that against him. <laughs> all right, you got you jobbers think about that. What I think about he I see a outs- guy that comes into the UFC with a sixteen and two record, that means he already paid his dues on the regional scene. Now he's eighteen and two. As far as I'm concerned, Both of these guys could fight for the world title today. Yeah,
1: so, I mean, this is definitely very tough to take a side in this fight. You know, personally, I'm going to go with Qatar just because I feel like all the action's coming in on Moicano. So if I had to take a side, I'd go with uh, Qatar's side just because I feel like he's got the momentum. Now, this is a desperate Moicano coming in because, I mean, he's possibly might lose two in a row here. So it's tough just to go ahead and fade him. It's a tough fight. I'm going to go with Qatar. But uh, it's unfortunate that one of these top five guys has to take a L, and yes, like we said before, Hanato would smoke Cub and Frankie, that's all I want people to know, they would smoke Cub and Frankie, Lamas too, and you know, that's all I want people to know.
0: Look, whoever takes an L here, they're going to bounce back way better. It's not its not that big of a setback. Even for my boy Moicano, he takes two in a row here. He'll be fine. He will be perfectly fine. But, look, I think the difference is that Calvin Cater's striking technique is slightly a little crisper. Obviously, we got to watch out for that Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Of uh Hannata I mean, people are going to bring up how cater got submitted in two thousand and eight. you know that was ten years
1: ago, right <laughs> you know so who Man, let's be honest here. who didn't get submitted in two thousand eight right I want y'all to go I want y'all to go back and look at some of Moikano's local scene fights, I mean some of them were i mean the guy you see now in some of his local scene fights, you know what I'm saying it's like completely. Uh, look, I, ju- I just
0: think the difference is that, look, Renato is a top-five guy, but Calvin Cater's a top-three guy. It's simply a game of inches with these two. There's going to be an absolutely incredible fight. It could go either way. I simply think Cater is slightly better, but I'm so excited about this fight. I can't wait to see what both of these guys do with their careers. Both are going to probably contend for a title before it's all over, and one might even be a world champion.
1: There's a reason why, you know, this fight is uh, third, on uh, third from the
0: main event you know after uh, sean shelby saw cater's ufc debut there's a reason yeah. he's been on pay-per-view <laughs> two fights in a <laughs> row you know he he realizes what he has here and moikano yeah. is just as great of a talent yeah. too so I, i'm gonna go with calvin cater by unanimous decision co-main event joanna yen she's minus 120 the comeback on rose nama is plus 110 now it's funny because the first time they fought joanna yen she was a you know a minus 500 favorite and you know a Go back and listen to our last breakdown. I absolutely trashed Rose Namajunas. You know, people are like, oh, you should delete your breakdown of that fight. Why would I do that? That's what I thought at the time. I'm an honest man. I take my licks like a fucking man. It's not a big deal. But you know what else I do? I learn from my mistakes, and I move forward, Shaq. And as far as I'm concerned, that wasn't a fluke. When I think of a fluke, I think of Paul Craig versus Ank alive, where, you know, it's complete domination. and One second left, he closes his eyes and gets a triangle. You know, congrats to Paul Craig. Because uh, you know he was one second away from retirement, right? So th- that's the definition of a fluke right there. But what happened with Rose and Joanna was not a fluke. And it's interesting because we actually thought Joanna was super chinny uh, prior to that fight, prior to the Jessica Andrade fight. We faded Joanna Jacek one fight too soon, when I, or at least I did, when I bet Jessica Andrade. She was one fight too soon. I thought, she, you know, she's chinny. She's this and that. Turns out, you know... She's seven inches taller than Jessica Andrade. She kept her on the end of her jab. It, it was one fight too soon. But I never thought highly of Rose Namajunas. I was o- always under the impression that, you know, she's mentally weak and this and that. Because remember here in Atlanta when we bet Carolina at plus 215 to beat her and, you know, she broke in that fight. But uh, little do we know, uh, there, was, there was a little backstory, wasn't there, Shaq? <laughs>
1: Was a big backstory going on, like you said before. You know, when I look back at Rose, my thoughts on her before the title fight, um, actually going into the title fight with Ioana you know, and Rose, like, you know, I had a gut feeling that, you know, that Rose was possibly the worst type of matchup with for her, just in terms of the hand speed. You know what I'm saying? Um, in terms of just the boxing technique, when I think of just straight hands and accuracy and power, I gotta give that edge to Rose. In pretty much any female fighter when it comes to just straight hands you know what i'm saying and we know that Joanna's style over the years has been able to work against these chicks that she already had broken before the fight jessica benet uh carolina uh, that's
0: on the backstory real quick oh the
1: backstory before ufc 201 i mean pat berry her fiance got fucking arrested while uh training with brock out there in minnesota Gets arrested for a DUI or something like that. Some, some right, look, one week before the one fight before at UFC 201, Pat Barry's supposed to be over
0: there in Wisconsin, or not Wisconsin, Wisconsin. in uh, Minnesota, helping out Brock Lesnar for his fight. And, you know, he calls Rose Namajunas. He's like, look, I'm in bed at my hotel. <laughs> I'm about to go to sleep. And turns out, you know, this guy's a recovering alcoholic and a pill head and all these things. <laughs> and it turns out, you know, he's not really in his hotel room and is about to go to sleep. He's, he's, he's at the, the bar ass. getting in fights, getting arrested. It's like, dude, like what the fuck is a, wrong with you?
1: A week before the fight. Now, guys, like I mentioned before, we know how sensitive these fucking females can get at times. Imagine a female, her boyfriend, fiance, gets arrested a week before the fight. Now, we were at that event. We saw how, you know, Rose's people, we saw how Gaethje and uh, the ju- ju- the jitsu jiu- coach was acting. Thing. we could tell there was something up now granted we knew something was up with pat we didn't know it was to this extent but granted now we know that rose had moved out of the house packed up everything left the house a week before the fight packed up everything out of the house and left pat there by himself a week bef- before the fight she was dealing with all this so in the first round she completely snapped carolina's head back and then you know the next two she quit now I'm going to go ahead and excuse her because I feel like when things got tough, her support system wasn't there. The person she always leaned on wasn't there. And my my boy Pat Berry said the reason why she lost that fight was because of me. (laughs) No one else because of me. And I agree 100% because, like we said, these females are sensitive, man. Like, she can't be having boyfriend problems (laughs) a week before the fight. Boyfriend of 10 years, (laughs) by the way. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that sounds disgusting. Well, but. It's the truth. It's it's the we can talk about the other issues some other
0: time. Maybe if she loses, we can go back to making fun of the emotional support dog, you But
1: But, uh, you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, bro. She's having boyfriend problems before the fight. You remember when JoJo Calderwood uh, fought Marina Moroze and she broke up with her boyfriend like the week of the fight, you know what I'm saying? And she got armbar. Chicks can't be fighting with boyfriend problems the week before the fight. It's just not a good scenario, so I am going to excuse it. And then after that, she comes back what, nine eight, nine months later. Like a year later. Well, yeah, a year later, with a new haircut, slimmed down, operating on a different frequency, super turned uh, turned on just mentally. And I mean, we saw what she did to Watterson, complete domination, and we saw what she did to uh Rosalamin so, Like I said, she's always Ioana. had Ioana, yeah. She's always had the best hands in that division. We already know you know, Joanna's fairly a one dimensional fighter. It's either, you know, can she outpoint you from the outside? And when I look at her title reign, you know, Claudia Gadelia. Dropped her, won the first two rounds, and then completely gassed out. We know Claudia is a gassing assassin. You know what I'm saying? She got no cardio. Then uh, Andrade, I mean, I don't know what was up with Andrade in that fight. I mean, you know, maybe we did fade her one too soon because Andrade was like just starstruck by her. I don't know. You know, Andrade is a is a you know. What I mean, maybe she she had a crush on Yolanda. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's just that Rose operates on a different mental frequency, at least right now, as far as I'm concerned. And I think Ioana's trying to, you know, hyper hype herself up. You know, she thinks she's the way. Not that it matters, because it's about the hands. It's about what's going on in that cage. And I just think the feints and the speed, the hand speed, and that Trevor Women style is uh, going to prevail once again. I think the same thing's going to happen, if not a five-round dominant decision. But I do see Ioana wobbling in this fight like she does in a lot of her fights. Look, it's Eurochin. It's just a good case of Eurochin. You know what I'm saying? Euro chin, especially for the females, when they get a little older, they start wobbling.
0: That good old-fashioned Euro chin. <laughs> Ask my boy Overeem about that, but look. <laughs> <laughs> Joanna Janjacek is super chinny. She's been dropped five times in her UFC career. You don't often see women getting dropped that many times in, in the UFC. And let, let's count all five times she's been dropped. The first ten seconds of the second Cloudia fight, she got dropped by a jab. In the third round, she got dropped by an elbow. In the fourth round against Carolina, she got dropped by a straight right. And it wasn't to the, chi- to the chin, Shaq. It was to the nose. And then she got dropped twice by uh, Rose Namajunas, twice by a left hook. Now, people think the first one was a right hand. It was not a right hand. It was a left hook both times. She's super chinny. And you know what? what's something that doesn't recover, Shaq? The chin never recovers. And, look, I know... Rose didn't face any adversity in that fight, so we don't know what happens if she does. But look, she operates on a different frequency than than Joanna. That was so evident in that first fight. You can blame the weight cut, this weight <laughs>
1: cut, that. Did you hear James Vick blame a weight cut when he lost to Benil Darius? That's a that's a sign exactly. Wake cut this, weight cut that don't mean shit. And you know, another thing I want to say is, you know, Joanna historically doesn't do good in rematches. You know, the only person to beat her in Muay Thai is the uh, Valentina Shevchenko. They fought three times, and I mean. <laughs> she done. They were the fight. The fights weren't close. Just put it that way. You can go to YouTube and watch them. Valentina beat that ass. And you know who's uh, very good friends with Valentina? You know, this was a very planned out friendship from the very beginning. Rose sought Valentina out, you know what I'm saying? She knew there's only one chick that ever beat Ioana in anything, and it was Valentina. And she she uh, initiated that friendship for a reason, because she was planning this out for a long time. And uh, she doesn't do good re- in rematches, and plain and simple, I just think Rose is the worst matchup for her. I think she'd probably beat everyone else. I mean, honestly, at this point, I don't know. But... I think
0: uh, Rose just has her number. You know, with Rose, it's always been, she's always been extremely talented. She's always been extremely athletically gifted. I just always question her mental state. But now that the mental is caught up to the physical,
1: watch out. And I feel like people forget, she's only 21. 25 years old. She's just a kid, Shaq. And another thing, you know, that the, the, the title fight with Esparza, she was fucking 2-1 at the time. 2-1 and, and 22 years old. 22 years old versus Esparza, who had 12 fights at the time, who had already been a champion in Invicta and elsewhere, who was number one strawweight in the world. 2-1 and one in there. I think uh we probably jumped a gun on her a little fragile. Yeah. yeah. Look, now she's finally yeah. put it all together.
0: This is this is, it, Rose, this is Rose in her Rose prime in her right, right here. here. <laughs> so this is what people were talking about that whole time back when she used to she used to flying armbar yeah. chicks and side kick him in the face. And look, shout out to Joanna and J check. she's still
1: my look, Joanna's still my favorite fighter even when she loses, <laughs> even if she loses this, you know what I'm saying? She'll still be my favorite. Uh Female female. as far as i'm concerned
0: she's the first strawway champion ever we don't talk about carla and look much respect to carla because she's no, actually don't, don't disrespect she girl,
1: carla. she's uh carla
0: apologize to carla Ca- Carla's grown on me a lot <laughs> I but, <love> Car- <laughs> but at the time man you know that bullying shit on tough i wasn't i wasn't yeah, into yeah, carla yeah. back then but you know carla's grown on me a bit but i still consider joanna to be the first ever strawway champion and uh i think that rose is going to come out at- look Historically speaking, when a long-reigning champion loses their belt, they don't just come back and win the belt again, and someone's going to be like, well, what about with Kane and JDS? That was Kane's first title defense. That wasn't a long-reigning champion. Well, I'm saying when a, five title when a long-reigning champion gets dethroned, they don't come back and win their belt. Hennan Burrell, Jose Aldo, Frankie Edgar, Benson Henderson, all these guys, they don't come back and win the belt again. Once it's over, it's over, and uh, guess what, Shaq? It's over. So, I got Rose Nama Yunus, and still. And also, you know, people wonder, can she go five rounds? Uh, I've seen her go five rounds before. Uh, granted, it was against a punching bag named Paige Van Zapp, but, hey, she handled her exactly how you're supposed to. Domination. Beat the fuck out of her. So, uh, I do have proof and evidence that she's able to go five rounds. So, yeah. And still. Main event of the evening, because, you know, between
1: you and me, you uh, when, uh, when Khabib doesn't make weight, Rose and is going to be the main event. Don't be shocked. We're saying it right here, right now. Khabib might miss weight. Look, the guy is struggling right now. <laughs> <laughs> but in case it happens, Khabib's minus
0: 470. The comeback on the featherweight champion and top three pound-for-pound pound talent, Max Holloway, is plus 375. I repeat, there is a plus 375 next to Max-blessed Holloway's name, Shaq.
1: Yeah, man, it's just that type of fight where it's dog our pass for me 100%. And I'm not going to, like, what's the line again?
0: Minus 470. Hey, four. come, <laughs> come
1: on, guys. Now, look, you know, somebody else would counter me with, well, it's going to be easy money. He's going to take him down and smash him. Look, like I said before, he fought Edson. Look, he's he's t- he's probably the best lightweight in the world. I'll give him that. You know what I'm saying? But he's fucking 25-0. Like... I know, you don't, you don't go through this fucking MMA game without taking a L, bro. <laughs> like You're going all these fights without losing, without losing, and it's like, uh, it's going to happen at some point now. These are where the what-the-fuck situations start happening, these late-notice opponents. You should, like I always say on the show, you fight who you train to fight for eight weeks. You don't take a fight on one week with, against fucking Max Holloway with nothing to lose. You're fighting, it's not fighting, you know, like a Llamas-Emmett situation. where You're fighting Emmett with nothing to lose. You're fighting Max fucking Holloway, a number three pound-for-pound pound guy, arguably top, he might be number one pound-for-pound, pound, if we're being honest here. I mean, how many fights has he won now? 12-5 win streak? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And I mean, just look what he dismantled Aldo. Like, he gave Aldo every chance to win that fight. He stood in the pocket with Aldo. He gave Aldo his chance to win, and he fucking whooped his ass twice. Now, of course, everyone's gonna be like, you know, one would say, well, the second beep ties him up. It might be over, and, and it might be. Look, he might just fucking be way too strong, but, you know, Khabib's already talking about fluke situations. He's already talking about lucky punches and, and you know, these things that tend to happen. Like we saw when uh, Nate Diaz stepped in against Conor the first time on a week notice. Anytime you got these late notice replacements, me personally, I tend to hop out right away. You know what I'm saying? Because that's not the guy you train to fight for. So, uh, and for the record, Max will beat the shit out of Tony yeah, Ferguson. That's I'm gonna go ahead and say it here. Max would absolutely whoop Tony's ass, and I think Tony, I think now it might be over. You know what I'm saying? And shout out to Tony. I think he's a, a Mexican boogeyman lunatic. You know, he, he's a great fighter, but he's an idiot. <laughs> and, uh, you know what I'm saying? Now he can uh, get starched by all the rest of the lightweights coming up. And uh, but it's a tough fight to call. I don't want nothing to do. It's dog like I said, dog or pass situation. Anytime you see that number next to Max Holloway's name. I mean, you kind of get tempted to uh, at least put something on it. You know what I'm saying? It's fucking Max Holloway. But, you know, I'll, I'll take Habib just because, you know, he has been training. But uh, I don't know, man. I got, I got a weird feeling in
0: my gut. Look, anytime you get the short notice replacement, weird shit happens. Look at Lamas and Emmett. Lamas was supposed to fight Jose Alda? And then he gets, uh, you know, Aldo pulls out, which he is known for. Aldo got moved to max. And uh, let's just pretend he pulled out because it sounds (laughs)
1: better. But,
0: uh, you know, he gets the short notice fill-in with Emmett. Emmett knocks him out in the first round. Benil Dariush is supposed to fight Bobby Green. Bobby Green pulls out. They get the
1: short notice fill-in that no one's ever heard of. And Alex Hernandez comes in. Tiago Alves was supposed to fight Zach Cummins. Short notice. Melinda steps in. Knock him out.
0: Yeah, Alex Hernandez knocks out Benil Darrich. Even here on the local scene, I got a friend named Diego Bautista. He's supposed to fight this short wrestler. I knew he was going to smoke him. Two days before the fight, short wrestler pulls out. They give him a tall striker. Yeah, tall striker <laughs> knocks him out in the first round. So, you know, these short notice fill-ins, man, it's a uh, sketchy
1: biz. They got
0: nothing to lose, man. And Khabib has everything to lose because this is his chance to get a world title, man. He's been working for this for a long time. He could have been the champ a long time ago. You know he pulled out of a title fight already, right, Shaq? So, the things that I don't know, and, and I wish I had inside info, are what kind of shape is Max Holloway in? You know, we saw the press conference today. looks like he's in pretty damn good shape. looks like he's been training to me. I just want to know because when you're fighting a guy like Khabib, your getup game better be on point. Your takedown defense better be on point. More importantly, your cardio better be on point. But you know what? Max Holloway's cardio always is on point And he always has a very good volume style, the way he breaks down his opponents, and one thing I like about him here is that he's a mover, you know, but that being said, no one closes the distance like Khabib, Nurmagomedov. The, way Khabib Nurma- Nurmagomedov. the way Khabib, you know, walks you down, cuts off that cage, closes that distance is unlike anything I've ever seen, and he pressures guys, but we know historically speaking, you pressure Edson Barboza, Barboza has broken the past, Michael Johnson has broken the past, now cr- credit to that fucking RDA win, because, you know, you don't see RDA breaking often, but... Max Holloway hasn't been taken out since 2014. You remember that fight with Ricardo Lamas. And when Ricardo tried to shoot on Max Holloway, it was straight nuts to the forehead. So, you know, my boy Max Holloway, don't sleep on him here. I just really don't know what's going to happen. Is it going to be a situation where Khabib gets him down once and then just pounds him out? Or has Max really gotten better to the point where he can avoid that? That's I can't wait to find out. No, Max, going out so you know that being said, at this price, you see a, a top pound for pound guy like Max at plus three seventy five. I don't fault you for taking the shot. I just really don't know what the fuck's about to happen here. And you know, when you're one of the best bettors in the world, you don't have to bet all twelve fights on a card, Shaq. You're allowed to say I don't know. You're allowed to say I can pass on this one. You're allowed to say let's sit back and enjoy it as a fan. So let's sit back and enjoy it as a fan. Most likely, look, Khabib's a favorite for a reason. He's probably going to win, but. I, I hope uh, Blessed Era becomes uh, the second champ champ in UFC history. Now someone's going to be like, what about BJ Penn? What about KOTOR? When I say champ champ, I mean simultaneous. I don't mean at two different times in their careers. I mean at the same fucking time because you do realize he wins this belt. He's going to be the lightweight and featherweight champ. So I hope Max becomes the second champ champ in UFC history. But, uh, you know, that's why we tune in. That's why we're going to pay the 60 bucks for the pay-per-view. Sit back and enjoy on a Saturday night with our friends and see what the fuck happens. So, you know what I'm saying? Uh, May the best man win. Now, before uh, we hit up Kyle Marley for the Big Marley Minute, we got to remind these guys that April is a massive month for us. Not only do we have three UFC events, Shaq, we have a Bellator Max Bet as well. So, we got four events. In April, every single week is a different one. And if they want to save 15% off every single package we got, all they gotta do is use the promo code Matador because as you know, we're sponsoring Emmanuel Sanchez. He's fighting in the co-main event April 28th against Sam Cecilia for the Fedor vs. Mirror card. You go to best 5 use the promo code Matador, M-A-T-A-D-O-R with a lowercase M to save 15% off any package and Listen, man, four events this month. All four are going to be huge. We want to go four and oh on on events. And,
1: and uh, you know, guys, if you had an, a bad experience with a previous tout service, you know, you guys got to forget about that. And certain times in your life, you got to take a chance if you really want to move forward in life. And I mean, fuck those other tout services. Those guys weren't Shaq and Dan. Shaq and Dan are men of their words. Ask any of my clients. They're all happy with their service. Um, all I need is that 1% of your confidence, man. And hmm? You know, I'll learn the other 99%. And uh, we're here for one job, and that's to make you money, plain and simple. There is no other things that matter in this game. It's, it's about making money, finding these mismatch type of fights, and, you know, we're, it's about consistently getting the money for these fights. And, I mean, like I said, if you've had a bad experience before, forget about it. we are the guys that come to? Where are the guys that's going to get that bankroll looking right? And, I mean, like I said, these lines are softer than Rock holes chin.
0: And it's all playable lines, too. We're not sitting here giving you minus 300s and calling it locks. We're not sitting here giving you minus 350s. We're giving you slight favorites and underdogs.
1: We ain't giving out no, uh, these fights don't go the distance. And, you know, we're giving you things that. Anyone in every book can play, not these these props that you know some and some people in this country can't play the safe things. You know what I'm saying? The the things that the jobbers do. And so they call
0: it safe things, and then they lose.
1: Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, bestfightpicks.com. Go ahead and shoot us an email. Go ahead and uh, message me bestfightpicks uh, official on Instagram or shack underscore bfp. We respond to every message that uh, any fan gives us, and uh, we appreciate all our fans as well.
0: Absolutely. Like we said, four events in April, three UFC events, one. One Bella Tour event. Use the promo code MATADOR to
1: save 15% off any package. It's going to be a big fucking month for us, Shaq. I mean, you know, go ahead and if I have to prove myself, I'll prove myself. You know what I'm saying? And uh, go ahead and uh, take the wife out a couple extra nights a week. Take the kids out a a couple uh, nights a week. And if you got something on the the side, take them out uh, a couple nights out a week as well.
0: And you don't have a significant other. You're just trying to buy an extra sack of dro, an extra sack of (laughs) kush.
1: Go ahead and do that. Change that eighth into a quarter. Change that quarter into a half. You know what I'm saying? If you're tired of running out of weed consistently on a weekly basis, we're the guys to call. We'll make sure you never run out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now let's hit up uh, Kyle Marley for the Big Marley Minute. And joining us now on the Big Marley Minute is Big Marley himself. Kyle, what's going on, man? Not much, man.
2: Long time, no talk. Uh, It's been too long, too long.
0: I know, right? They made us wait two weeks, which is – A long time for guys like us, but the good news is we're going to have an event pretty much every single week this April, minus the last week, but then we get that big Bellator event with Fedor and Mir and Emmanuel Sanchez, so I'm pretty excited, but man, I thought we were going to talk about Tony Ferguson versus Khabib, but as you know, for the millionth time, that fight isn't happening, and honestly, man, there's no guarantees that this fight between Max and Khabib is going to happen, but let's say it does happen I mean, do you give uh, the featherweight champion, Max Holloway, you know, a chance here? Because, I mean, look, man, let's be honest. He's a top three pound-for-pound talent. It's just the week short notice and all the factors that come into play here. What's your opinion on the matchup?
2: Yeah, I think uh, the week short notice and all those factors really makes it hard to want to pick him. Uh, Maybe on a full training camp uh, when he did pull out of a fight just a month ago. Uh, But, man, you add all those things together and then – throw Khabib in the mix, and how is he going to do it? I'm not sure, man. uh, I don't really want to mess with him too much on DraftKings either. Uh, But if you do think Max is going to win, you absolutely have to put him in your lineup because you'll never see him at 7,100 again. Um, And if he wins, he's for sure paying that off. Uh, I just think that now with with the fight change, Khabib is only 9,100 on DraftKings, uh, which is the third most expensive. Um, And now with the fight change, he's the second highest – Uh, betting favorite on the card so i think i I gotta go pretty much all in on khabib this week um if not all in i'm I'm thinking 90 percent khabib uh and then maybe a shot or two on holloway just in case but yeah i don't see how he gets it done i think this is gonna be khabib via mauling so
0: rose and Joanna, they're rematching the first time i got it completely wrong now my question here is man do you view it as a fluke or do you think that rose really does have her number
2: no, I mean I don't think it was a fluke. She did drop her twice, um, but yeah, I mean who? Knows? I don't. I've never cut weight myself, so I don't even know what all that is like. Um, so I don't know if that's just an excuse or what for JJ. But this is this is such a tough fight to call, and I've gone back and forth a hundred times. So I've decided I'm not going to pick a winner. I'm going to use both of them, and, and basically every lineup I have, I'm going to have one or the other, and that's how I'm going to go about this. Uh, because, man, I really can't pick a winner. And I know whoever does score, I mean, whoever wins is going to score very high. So you're going to need them in your lineup. So let's say I, I'm going to have 20 lineups. I'll probably go 10 JJ, 10 rows, and it really won't matter a whole lot to me. Hopefully my best lineup going into that point is the one with the winner. Uh, but, yeah, I can't even pick a winner on this, so it's just that close.
0: Chiesa has taken on Pettis. You know, Pettis is 2-5 and five since he was the world champion, and Chiesa is 5-2 in his last seven fights. Uh, you think that the losing ways for Pettis are going to continue here?
2: Uh, I picked Pettis to win, actually. Um, but I, I do like both guys in DraftKings a bit because is more of the DraftKings style you want in this fight. He's going to go for the takedowns, and he wants this fight on the ground. And that's what's going to rack up the DraftKings points. So if you do like Chessa, I recommend you throw him in your lineups. But I'm going to actually go with the dog here. Uh, Chessa's 8,600 on DraftKings, and Pettis is a- – Thousand cheaper at seventy six hundred. Uh, I'm actually picking Pettis to win. I think it's gonna be a super close fight, uh, but I'll take that thousand dollar discount and use Pettis and and uh, pay up for Khabib. You know, and, and basically every lineup, uh, you got to get the dog somewhere, and Pettis is one I like.
0: Well, I'm surprised because normally Kyle Marley goes for the guys that like the takedowns.
2: Yeah, man. I think uh, Pettis is gonna be able to keep this on the feet more than uh, people think. And on the feet, I don't think it's even close. So if he can keep it up for two rounds. I see a decision win uh, for Pettis, and if he doesn't get taken down, I think he'll be able to get back up. I think he'll be able to avoid the submission, um, and it's going to be a decision one way or the other. Uh, but I can also see like a body kick from Pettis, maybe even round one. So I'm going to have to go with the dog to save that thousand bucks.
0: Ayakinta and Felder, it's a pick 'em right now. It's boxing versus Muay Thai. Which way are you going?
2: Ah, uh, man, I like uh, I like Ayakinta here. Um, the layoff worries me a bit. But I've picked against Felder in his last two fights, and that cost me quite a bit of money. So I'm not going to fade him this time. Uh, I'll have a couple Felder lineups just in case. But Al's my pick. I think it's going to be a fun fight. Uh, But I do think if anyone's trying to take it to the ground, it will be Iaquinta. So I'm just going to go there, and hopefully maybe he can pull off a submission.
0: The fight that I've heard the most differing opinions on is Felice Herrig and uh, Carolina. And Carolina's minus 190. You know, for differing opinions, I thought the line would be a lot closer. Which way are you going?
2: This this is kind of weird uh, for me here because I, the way I see this fight playing out is KK um, just winning on the feet, just outstriking her to a decision, uh, whether that's 29-28 or 30-27. But my problem is she's $9,000 on DraftKings, just $100 cheaper than Khabib. Um, and I think at the price that Herrick is at, which is 7200 I just think she has more upside with that with that price. If she can get the fight to the ground, maybe she can get a submission and rack up over 100 points at just a 7,200 price tag. But I don't see KK getting 100 points at a $9,000 price tag. So I would rather just go with the dog here on uh, DraftKings. But my pick to win is KK, so I don't really know what I'm doing with this. Uh, I think it's going to be pretty much either fade the fight or throw some hair lineups in and hope that she can pull through uh, as the underdog.
0: A lot of people are super confident in Ray Borg. They feel like Brandon Moreno you know, is simply inexperienced to beat a guy like Ray Borg. But as we've seen, Brandon Moreno has played spoiler many times, especially that time against Luis Smolka, that time against Dustin Ortiz. you think he's going to pull off the upset once again?
2: No, I actually like Borg in this one. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun fight too, and it'll be under-owned uh, because Borg is right in the middle of Zabit and Khabib, and everyone is going to start their lineup with Zabit and Khabib. So they're going to overlook Borg. Uh, and that's why I like, like him, actually, because I do think this is going to hit the ground. It's going to be a lot of transitions. Uh, and these little guys are just going to rack up points. So I think you got to have uh, either one, really, in your lives whichever way you're picking. But I think Borg is going to come away with a decision. And I think he can actually score up there with Khabib and Zabit. So I think he's going to be under-owned, maybe 10 15% owned. Um, so I think I'm going to be above that myself, and I'll probably have 20% Borg. Uh, I'm not sure how much uh, I'm going to have a Moreno, but, I pick Sporg, so I'll be having more of him for sure.
0: Well, speaking of Zabit, you about to lay down that price?
2: Yeah, I can't fade Zabit, man. He scored, God, what did he score in his last fight? Let's see here. 152 in his last fight. Um, so that ceiling is just too big to fade, even as the highest-priced guy on the card. Uh, he's going to have to score more than anybody else, but he's got a really good shot at doing that um so yeah i think it's probably it's a beat or pass here for me uh for the most part but i'm not gonna go all in on him just because he is gonna have to score more than everybody on the card and i, I think khabib is probably the best play on the card
0: well before i let you go man any uh, any fights i'm leaving out here
2: nah man i think uh i think we got it all. uh can't wait for him hopefully we can win some money
0: yes sir everybody follow this man at big marley three kyle we'll talk next week for the next ufc card
2: sounds good man talk to you then good luck
0: all right brother you too and, I man, my boy Big Marley, you know, I missed him on, on that two-week off break, man. You know, once again, he's always killing it with the DraftKings advice. And that is why he is considered worldwide the number one MMA DraftKings guy on planet Earth.
1: Yeah, Kyle Marley is a three-time champion for a reason. And uh, I wish him, I mean, there's nothing, you know, when you get a guy that uh, means business and, you know, he, he can prove it, that's how you know. That's why he exact my utmost respect. And uh, I salute him on what he's done. Absolutely.
0: Now we got to talk about the fight to watch. And the fighter to watch. So, Shaq, what is the fight to watch for UFC 223?
1: A fight to watch, in my opinion, is going to be Calvin Kattar versus Makano. Two top five guys. Yes, like I said, two top five guys, and then possibly gonna, top three guys. And I think the the winner of this fight, arguably, is uh, going to be one one away from a title shot with an impressive uh, finish. You know, Ortega's up there, and you know, Jeremy's up there, but it's no guarantee that Jeremy's uh, going to handle business. You know what I'm saying? So. Uh, These guys are top five for a reason, and uh, this is the fight to watch. I mean, it's going to be a super chess match. We got that chat, that jab from Qatar, and we got that calf kick from Moikano and, you know, the mat game as well, so I'm interested to see that fight.
0: Yeah, look, you know, I hate to be boring, but the fight to watch is obviously Moikano versus Cater. Like I mentioned, in case you guys didn't hear what I said earlier, Calvin Cater and Hanata Moikano would smoke Frankie Edgar (laughs) today if they fought. Okay, and obviously, you know, being that they would smoke Frankie, they'd also smoke Cub, Lamas, Emmett, Jeremy, you know, Zabid, all these other guys. Darren Elkins, it doesn't matter. We're looking at the number three and number four guy in that division right behind Max Holloway and Brian Ortega. Calvin Cater versus Hanato Moicano is your, your fight to watch. So Shaq, who is your fighter
1: to watch? My fighter to watch is actually gonna uh surprise some people. It's gonna be Chris Gritz Gritzmacker, man. I feel like, you know, a guy on, you know, for you know, his career has basically been, you know, a struggle. You know what I'm saying? He's been in these uh situations where uh, you know, things haven't gone his way. He's been mashed up with these, Ch- the Chaz Skellys and the Davi Ramoses of the world, and I feel like this is a good matchup. Yeah, real quick, and someone's gonna talk shit about my boy Chaz Skelly. He's fucking 17-3, and three, and three. okay? That's a winner. He's won 17 out of 20 fights. <laughs> <laughs> he's only lost three times. So tell me your favorite fighter your <laughs> record, yeah. you up. Know he's won, he's gotten his hand 17, uh, 17 out of 20 times, just put it that way. So, uh... I think Gertzmacher has got a, this is an opportunity for him to have a moment that he, you know, he remembers for the rest of his life. You know, going into the fight, you know, he he's viewed as the bum, the jobber, you know what I'm saying? And I think he's going to shock a lot of people, and uh, I think he's going to be the fighter to watch, and I think he's going to get the biggest one of his career. And look, my fighter to watch is the champion, uh, Rose Namajunas.
0: She's an underdog as the champion right here. You don't often see that. You don't often see uh, champ underdogs, and I feel like she's got a point to prove here. What was the first fight a fluke? Or was it legit? Is it simply her time? And that's why we're tuning in. That's why we're going to drop the 60 bucks. I want to find out firsthand because, look, Joanna Janjacek at one point, she was setting a significant strike record on these girls' faces, and she couldn't even land a punch on Rose Namajunas. So, you know, now they're going to run it back. We're going to find out, uh, you know, if it was a fluke or not. And for that reason, Rose Namajunas is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday. UFC 223. Kabibner Magomeda vs. Max Holloway, Rose Nama Yunus vs. Joanna Jędrzejczyk, Calvin fucking Cater vs. Hinato Moicano. Anthony Showtime Pettis vs. Michael Chiesa. I cannot wait. It's going to be badass. They can follow you at MMA Genius 05. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks. They can follow our Instagram at Best Fight Picks Official. Make sure you go to bestfightpicks.com. If you want our plays, use the promo code MATADOR with a lowercase M to save 15% off any package. Up until Emmanuel Sanchez's fight, April 28th. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Hook up those five-star reviews on iTunes. Take a picture of that five-star review, and we'll give you a free bet.
1: And uh, matter of fact, guys, tune in next week for uh, UFC, what is it, Glendale, Poye uh, Poi versus Gagey. I'm going to run a nice little promotion for all the guys out there listening, the guys that are still on the fence, they're still wondering if I mean what I say and I say what I mean. Just ask my clients. But for all those guys on the fence, I'm going to run a little promotion next week, so make sure you uh, tune in to the show. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.